Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen. With me on the other side of the computer is Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, hey, I am great. Glad to be here. Me too. And I think we're going to do a fun episode today. So I got to give some context for how this episode came to be. Um, we've talked about it. I recently got married. It's only been a few weeks, maybe not even a few weeks. It, oh, yeah, it's been a few weeks, the 12th, so like almost exactly three weeks. Yep. So I got married a few weeks ago. Um, just in the last few days, we've gotten around to like checking out some of the gifts that we got. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to be given a very thoughtful gift by uh, one of Heather's friends that I was excited. We were excited about. But I want to show it to the to the everybody. Here we are. This is Dave Ramsey, the total money makeover. And I just thought it was it was funny. Like, here's the deal. Obviously, not everybody, you don't talk to everybody you know about kind of what you do and those types of things. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't have any any idea about what we do, right? Um, and so for them, this was something that was helpful and they wrote a nice little note in it. So let me just be clear. This is not to like bust someone who gave us a very thoughtful gift that helped them. This is, however, a chance to have fun with busting Dave Ram- Dave Ramsey's myths. And really, they're not even Dave Ramsey's myths. They're the myths that he's busting, and we're going to bust them back. Bust the myths that he's busting? Bust yes. the buster? We're going to bust the buster. Yeah. You know, actually, it would have been funny, though, if someone did know what we did and gave you the gift. Oh, man, that might be. is actually the case with my copy so i have another oh. copy here <laughs> that's even better so it was who a, gave you it, that gift it was a neighbor that we okay. uh in in the place we lived before we are where we are now and uh we were just talking about like what i do and and he he thought it was very important very important ah, that, I, I, that I have and know dave ramsey and i actually told him so i, I used to li- listen to dave ramsey on the radio quite a bit. Uh-huh. So I have a good feel for, for kind of where he's coming from. And, and, uh, so unfortunately I, I can't say that I've read it word for word, but I have, <laughs> I have, uh, kind of looked through it. Did, and, and did your neighbor feel like you were like way off track or they just really, that it just was something that was important to them. Which one is it, Rod? Well, he didn't know enough to know that I was off track. Oh, but okay. I think, okay. I think because of the way I was, I was talking, I, I was probably a little bit flippant toward Dave Ramsey uh, so I see. he he just felt like he needed to take it upon himself, and so he got on right there while was, while I'm sitting there with him. He gets on his phone, orders a copy from Amazon, and has it delivered wow. to my house. Okay, so when was this? How long ago? This was probably well, we've been here for seven years, so it's been eight or nine. Okay, years so it's ago, been a little like while. It's been a little while. Okay, yeah. well that's a fun story. That might be that's definitely better than my story. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Um, but I was lucky enough to get the new copy, so at least I have that going for me. There you go. Yep. Okay. Updated. So so this is going to be fun though. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the the claims that Dave makes, and we're going to make a counter argument to what he's saying. Now, I will say this, like, and, and maybe this is important context. You always say this when Dave Ramsey comes up. 
he's he's always speaking to this mass group of people right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's doing it to sell copies and to sell content and all that kind of thing right so yep. we understand it um and it is difficult to give good advice to every situation in and of itself mm-hmm. however however i would suggest i would submit that some of his stuff is just complete jackassery that's what i would submit and, what do you and think? the funny, well, the funny thing about it is that he'll he'll throw something out as a myth that is something that it it's real. Like it's some somebody said yeah, that to him sure. at some point. You listen to his radio show and you hear it. Like it's entertainment. Yeah. H- however, when so often when he throws it out there, he throws it out there as if everybody believes this and lives by it. And well, let's just say most people very few people have actually even considered what he's thrown out there. Rod, I could give you a dozen examples in 30 seconds because I've just been reading this. Oh, here's here's one of my favorites. Okay. Um, playing the lottery and other forms of gambling will make you rich. Everybody yeah. believes that, right? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Like I would say if you probably went out and did some sort of a poll, you'd probably have 80 to 90% of people who are thinking that the lottery and gambling will make them rich. Is that fair to say? Everybody would. Yeah. (laughs) It's not even 80 to 90. It's probably. Okay. Well then that's, that's probably a legit (laughs) myth to bust, but some of these others, no, it's, it really is funny. The, the lottery is a tax on the poor and on people who can't do math. That's actually true. He's a hundred percent right. But again, it, it goes to your point that the myths are just so ridiculous. Some of them, some of them. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I think there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of people who read it. So as ridiculous as it seems to me, um, it's obviously not ridiculous to everybody. So yeah. we're going to do our best to uh, bust some of his myth busts. Okay, here we go, Rod. The first one, and really today we're going to focus almost completely on kind of his first section, which is debt. And mm-hmm. he has his his big like overarching first myth is debt is. And then in parentheses, not a tool. So he's suggesting that it is absolutely not a tool. Well, that sounds counterintuitive to what we talk about pretty regularly, yeah, doesn't yeah, it, Rod? For sure. So um, let me start by just saying this, because I think this is this is critical and important. There's good debt and there's bad debt. He doesn't bother to elaborate on the fact that there's a difference between credit card debt and real estate debt a significant well, difference no he elaborates on it and he says that it's all bad it's all bad okay you're right you're right if you're he gonna go actually. buy if you're gonna go buy a piece of real estate if you can just buy it out of, in, with cash if if you if you already have your home and you had a mortgage on it okay there's we'll no accept, re- there's no room to buy anything else yeah we'll accept that as a as an evil that you have to live with until you can pay it off but you have to get it paid off as quickly as possible and get rid of that debt. And then when you do go and invest in anything, but real estate included, never use debt when you're, when you're investing in real estate. So to your point, what he's doing is he's, he's taking a very large category and saying all debt is bad. And it's not. (laughs) Okay. So he gives so he has a bunch of, a bunch of debts that examples of bad debt. And to be fair, they are almost all bad debt. I mean, you go through this and he's and he's giving like, uh, let me see here. 
Cash advance, payday loans, rent to own, title pawning, oh, yeah. and tote the note car loans are needed to help lower income people get ahead. Like mm. that's not that's a stupid myth. It's not really a myth, I would say. Um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that there's it, anybody out there that uses it, right? Exactly. So that's, we that's can all agree that that is it's toxic debt. That that kind of stuff just really drives people into a worse place instead of helping them in any way. Well, and so then that's it. The good debt and bad debt conversation. He basically is saying that, like you're saying, everything's in the same category and just refuses to acknowledge that there is significant difference. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to give, I want to, I want to read a little passage here that I think is good. Okay. Dave says, when training for my first career in real estate, I remember being told that debt was a tool that is like a fulcrum and a lever, allowing us to lift what we otherwise could not. We can buy a home, a car start a business or go out to eat and not be bothered with having to wait. So, okay. So I'll read a little bit more, but the point I wanted to make there is that he just put, uh, buying a home, buying a car, starting a business and going out to eat all in the same category. How many people would say that? How many people would say that, Hey, the risk of, you know, making a conscious risk, to go and start a business is exactly the same as feeling like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to make food. It's just way easier to go buy it. I, I know that I'm going to have to go into debt if I, you know, if I don't eat any food at home and I go out to, but you know what? I'm not too worried about that. That's, that's exactly the same rod as buying, you know, buying a home. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah, okay. So I just had to make that point. Like, and he does it repeatedly. So like I said, the, the best word I could come up with is jackassery and I'm borrowing that <laughs> from somebody else, but it just feels like a, it feels like a phrase that makes sense. You know what? You might be borrowing it from him. It seems oh, like no. just the kind of thing he would say on his that show. Does, if that's the case, <laughs> I'm going to be like, that would be ironic. That's great. Um, okay. So Rod, I'm going to give a couple of examples of things that he suggests are money myths or debt myths okay. that are kind of more that could go that could go either way, right? So yeah. this example, he says, if I loan money to friends or relatives, I'm helping them. That's the myth. Um, and then the truth is basically, he says that loaning money to friends or relatives will uh, basically destroy the relationship without fail. So okay. here's the deal. Um, is it wise to loan money to friends and relatives all the time? No, 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 no. It absolutely is not. And probably most of the time, it's not that wise. Mm -hmm. But again, to suggest that it's never helping somebody, I can think of people that I have both helped and have helped me in situations like this that went exactly as it was supposed to, right? Hey, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that you can take the F3 assessment right now over at moneyinsights.net. And after the short five minute assessment, you'll get specific recommendations that will help you move from high income to high net worth. Enjoy the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I've yeah. repaid a debt that I, I remember early in my marriage. I was young. I was like 23. I got into a tough spot because I broke my leg and my mom was kind enough to help me out. Yeah. And guess what? I paid her back. And it went and our relationship was great. Yeah. So anyway, like, again, it's these kinds of things that are ridiculous that are just like sometimes true, but mm-hmm. just not always true. And the same thing he says, co-signing alone is helping is helping a friend or relative. It's kind of the same idea. 
And it's the same thing, right? Co-signing on a loan could be helpful. Uh, my dad co-signed on the first loan for me. I've co-signed loans for a couple of people over mm -hmm. the years, and I've been smart about it. And guess what? Right. It's worked out just fine. Wait. So anyway. Smart about it? Like, wait a minute. You took some <laughs> thought and you considered it and you built an arrangement that, that made sense for both sides and then you mm. move forward with it? Are you, is that what you're trying to tell me? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Right? Right, that was right. That was better said than what I could come up with. Okay, Rod, I have another example of Dave making this point for us. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna continue reading for a second from where I was before. He says, I remember a finance professor telling us that debt was a two-edged sword, which could cut which could cut for you like a tool, but could also cut for cut into you and bring harm. Okay. That's probably a fair statement, right? I would think, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. That's I'm, good I'm with him still. For debt. He says the myth has been told that we should use OPM, other people's money. To prosper, the academic garbage is spread really thick on this issue. We're told with sufficient snobbery and noses in the air that sophisticated and disciplined financiers use debt to their advantage. He says, careful there, you'll get a sunburn on your upper lip. <laughs> this is where it gets right. really funny. My contention is that debt brings on enough risk to offset any advantage that could be gained through leverage of debt. Given time, a lifetime, risk will destroy the perceived returns and purported by the mythsayers. And okay, this is where it gets crazy. He says, I was once a mythsayer myself and could repeat the myths very convincingly. I was especially good with the debt as a tool myth. I've seen I've sold rental property that was losing money to investors by showing them with very sophisticated internal rates of return how they would actually make money. That seems questionable on Dave's part. Um, I could spout the myth with enthusiasm, but life and God had some lessons to teach me. Only after losing everything I own, finding myself bankrupt, did I find or that did I think that risk should be factored in, even mathematically. It took me waking up in intensive care to realize how dumb and dangerous this myth is. Life hit me hard get, to get my attention and teach me. Okay, and then he goes into some scripture and stuff. Here's the deal. My point here in reading that was that Dave suggests there that he did not consider that risk could be dangerous or could, or could, it's not even that. He Should said be considered. he didn't worry about factoring it in until yeah. after. Okay. So here's the deal. If you're, if you're someone who hasn't factored in the, the risk that comes with leverage, you absolutely should not use leverage. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Like, just like anything else, when we learn and grow and like understand things, we can utilize concepts more effectively than we were before. And I think that's kind of the the broader message that I've been struggling with as I've like get it. I'm passionately reading this book. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, and maybe said another way, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. To say that all debt should be rejected because there is some debt that's toxic and there's some debt that people take on without considering all the factors that should be considered is is probably just taking it too far, right? That the, yes. the all or nothing thing is, is probably just not, not where we need to go with it. Okay. So I have one more example, Rod, that I want to hit on. And then maybe I, we'll talk about, you had a couple of real estate investor examples of doing yeah. things the right way, utilizing debt to their advantage. And by the way, we, we have a thousand clients about give or take, and uh, probably all of them use leverage in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And again, we're talking about an entire grouping of 
certainly high income, but most of them would be qualified in the high income and high net worth category. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we have this, I realize that Dave sells books to, to millions and millions of people. Um, but I feel like the proof's in the pudding rod. Like we're looking at it day after day. Okay. So I have one fun example and then we'll get over to your example. One more fun example of one of Dave's myths to bust. Okay. Then we'll move over to your examples of how to do it the right way. Okay. He says, if you pay off your credit card every month, you get free use of someone else's money. That's the myth. Okay. Oh, that's the myth. Okay. That's the myth. That's the myth. The truth is card track says that 60% of people don't pay off their credit cards every month. Okay. So I just have to ask, like, if anybody's reading that or listens to it, do they really think like, oh yeah, that he just busted that myth. He, okay. That so that proves it. Yeah. That proves it. I was just talking to my fiance, not my fiance. Wow. My wife, Heather. Wow. Yep, that's, I've yep. just been used to it for the last couple of years. <laughs> I, I've been talking, I was, I was reading it with Heather and she was like, that, that's like saying that because like 95% of people don't exercise regularly and eat healthy, it's not an effective way to lose weight or be healthy. Yeah, that if doesn't most make any sense. Yeah, if most people did it, then that would that would make it true. That would make it true. But, but because, because pe most people don't do it, that makes it. Yeah, right. so here's the deal. If you're someone who pays off your credit card religiously every month, doesn't let it build up um, interest. Mm -hmm. Well, I like I like the idea there, but doing that doesn't work because other people don't do it and therefore it won't work for you. Yeah. Okay. I have one more thought, Rod. This just came to me. Okay. We just had Adam Carroll on recently, mm -hmm. right? And he teaches, yeah. taught us about the shred method. You did a great interview, by the way. Thank and, you. And, uh, in Dave's book, he talks a lot about a different kind of method. Do you remember what he goes what he goes into? Snowball method. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, snowball he goes method. into the snowball. Okay. So you know what I just thought? We need to do like a snowball um, versus shred method episode. Uh, I think it's a good idea. That could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but but it's interesting because like we're actually suggesting in the shred method mm -hmm. that you can utilize leverage to reduce your debts more quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and then and then get more debt so that you can go create cool things to happen and shred that. And shred that debt. Like here's the deal. The fact that most people don't do it and don't do it right yeah. doesn't make it not accurate. It, the shred method definitely works. If you mm -hmm. if you do it, it will work and it'll be more effective than using the snowball method. We'll get into that later. Okay, yeah. Rod, so why don't you give us a few examples or a couple examples of maybe some like real estate investors, clients, examples of people who have done this the right way. Yeah, and I will reiterate something that we talked about a minute ago because the people, these examples I'm going to talk about are people who understand what debt is, the risks they take on when they do it, and the the way to do it in a smart way. Yeah. So that it accomplishes the goal that they want without without pu pushing them to the edge and and you know potentially off the edge. Yeah. And, well, it's right. an important point that you're making. Leverage for leverage is not the right way to do it, yeah. right? We don't just take bring on debt because we can. We want to strategically bring on debt. That's why when we talk about some of our the, the things we do, we often talk about using conservative leverage. Mm -hmm. We want to utilize leverage in the right way and 
you can do it. And and there's actually a pretty like wide margin for what the right way is, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's not like this, hey, if you don't do it exactly this way, it won't work. Like you've got a pretty wide margin of how to, how to make that work. It's just understanding what that is, staying in that lane and making sure you don't get over leverage. That's the, that's the danger. Yeah. And that brings to mind uh, an irony that, that is often brought up. And that is the people who need access to leverage, who like literally need it. It's hard to get it. Yeah, the people who who don't quote unquote need it are the ones that they're willing. They're the to ones give it using to, it and and, and then they creating advantage. And like yeah. when I was reading that, and there's he goes into this huge like group think, and the irony was just so thick. But I was yeah. I was thinking as I was reading that about this concept that like the wealthy people really are utilizing these other concepts, and he's and he's literally telling the masses not to and. Mm-hmm. I know that that Dave isn't the reason for the gap between the wealthy and the poor, but it certainly doesn't help when the wealthy people are being taught effective strategies that that legitimately build wealth exponentially mm-hmm. faster and more effectively than some of the things that Dave's talking about. Yeah, but it, it brings to mind uh, one of our clients who we often talk about these cash value lines of credit, right? So you yep. build up your cash value in your policy and you could go get a policy loan or you could go get a, lo- a loan from a bank and use that use the policy as collateral for that. Yeah. We had a client who went to his bank and and just asked him. I, I always tell people, hey, go go check with the banks that you already do business with. Well, he did that. He he went and he, he had a couple Smart. million dollars sitting in his cash value, and they're like, well, we would be willing to just give you a line a, a open line of credit that's not collateralized. Right? Yeah, that's so not he, bad. Again, Here's an example of someone who doesn't quote unquote need debt. Mm-hmm. He's he's looking for a way to to uh, leverage an asset that he's already built, and here's the bank telling him, "Oh, we 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 don't even need. We're that. happy to let's do. Let's it. just let's just do it without without collateralizing the policy." And so my point here is that here's someone who is clearly responsible, right? He does yeah. make a lot of money, um, but he has been very smart in the way that he's done things, understanding risks, taking risks, but, but doing it in a smart way to the point where now the bank is saying, we, we want, we want to give you, and, and he's not the person that's going, the, the reason they're willing to do it is because he's not the person who's going to go and be un- unresponsible with it, irresponsible yeah. with it. Well, so. and, and that's the, the, this huge divide between who Dave's talking to in the book and like, mm-hmm. It, it just creates this weird divide and it doesn't need to be there. Again, the idea here is that we want to unfold some of these concepts and strategies that can be used effectively in, sm- in, a, in a smart way. Um, and if people don't use them, then they're going to find themselves in the same spot as they were before. Yeah. And so that I think is what's disappointing is like I'm reading these and I'm like passionately thinking, goodness, I would literally teach someone the opposite of this. Mm-hmm. Now, he does have, again, dozens of myths in there that I don't think are myths and some that are just absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's not all garbage. It's just some of it is okay. Rod. So do we have any examples? Like give an example of Johnny Jones. How about Johnny Jones? Johnny Jones. Yeah. Johnny Jones. Who's Johnny Jones, by the way, is this a client of ours? No, it's just a name I made up. Okay. Okay. And I was 
in the whole spirit of having fun with this, I was kind of poking fun at Dave because he talks about keeping up with the Joneses. So I just figured yeah. I had to pick a Jones. All right. I like it. For, okay. For my example. Okay. So uh, Dave says you should only invest in real estate if you can do it without debt. Mm, yes. Zero debt. Not at all. No not, debt. On a, not Don't take a HELOC and go and, and take money from your HELOC and go and invest. Don't buy a, re, a piece of real estate and use any kinds of loan to go buy that real estate. Okay. So he's just drawing a clear line in the sand. No, debt. no debt period. Okay. So I haven't read enough of Dave or listened to enough of Dave to know where he's at. What about your primary residence? What does he suggest on that? Does he at least say that there's reasonable debt and it's on the primary mortgage, but nothing else? Or is it just like no debt across the board? He, he would say it's you're better off if you, even with your primary residence, if you don't use debt to buy it. Okay. Now, yeah. he's in this weird position because most of the people, by the time they find him, already have that mortgage. And so he's not saying, go sell your house and live in an apartment until you can go buy another house. Okay. I, I okay. think that's kind of the, the way that he treats that. But but if you if you found him early and often, like he would be telling you no debt, period, end of story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah well, it's and that was really one of the difficult myths. to buy a house today with no debt. Can well, I just tell and, you? And, and that's the myth that he 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 points out in in the book. He talks about the myth is that there's no way to buy a home unless you go get a mortgage. Oh, okay. That's, and and I guess that's not a myth. It's just a, it's just like very very difficult. And most people likely couldn't do it, right? Yeah. So he's just saying if I guess well, if you wanted to go, you know. I'm thinking well, of some scary places you could buy for dirt cheap, <laughs> right? But, yes. But I don't yes. know if that's the way to go. But his remember, his moniker is, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. Okay. So okay. just just grin and bear go it. all in depth. So it's go. almost like, it's like those shows that are on TLC where, where people just have like serious extremes and they're, they're like pinching pennies, um, so as an example, I remember watching one. This was great. They were using a, oh, this doesn't make a lot of sense now, but they were using a hot tub to like warm up their food. I think it was like a neighbor's okay. hot tub or okay. something. And it was, they had asked them. And so it was like, hey, this is a great way to not have to use as much power and energy mm -hmm. to heat things. And that feels a little like the Dave mantra, like go super extreme. Yeah. And if you'll do that, then you can have this, result in the future yeah i knew someone who to start his car in the morning he had a, a stick so to start his <laughs> car in the morning he would roll it down the driveway and jump start it so he didn't have ah. to use the the gas to save some gas okay yeah. okay i thought maybe yeah. he just wanted to like be really polite so his family wouldn't hear him sneaking out the garage but <laughs> it's for the gas money huh yeah 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 so okay well okay um but going back to the real estate investor johnny jones Johnny Jones. Uh, is someone who feels like if he can make smart real estate investments using debt, that he's much better off with it. And, and I would agree with that. Okay. So Johnny, he wants to buy a million dollar piece of property. Okay. He has $250,000 that he's going to put down and then he's going to finance 750,000. Okay. That seems outrageous. Dave would not agree. He would not. No. And okay. We'll, we'll go back to that. We'll but, get into that. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to take you off. Um, no, it's fine. So, 
what's going to happen is the property will kick off an average of about $100,000 a year of net income. This is after all of his expenses and even including things like vacancy rates and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. And we're going to assume the property value goes up about 5% per year. Recently, that's a really low number. You know, well, historically, that's time good. periods, that's probably good. So, but after five years, it's now worth 1.25 million plus mm -hmm. or minus. And he owes about 700,000 on, on the debt. So his okay. original $250,000 investment is now worth 550,000 and it kicks off a hundred thousand of net income per year. That's pretty good. That seems like a strong investment. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds and, okay. Yep. And the biggest thing I, I point out to people is that the, the property went from a million to 1.25 million. Well, he didn't have to share that growth with the bank. He got to take on the full amount of that additional growth as as the investor, as the owner. So his again, his two fifty, he a little more than doubled it. Okay, he actually, Rod. He actually tripled it because he he also received a hundred thousand a year, so five hundred thousand of income over the five years. His his property more than doubled in value, and so. Well, he, here's the thing, Rod. That, that sounds really good, but Dave would suggest that most people doing this or something like this are likely going to just muff the whole thing and probably end up in bankruptcy. So what do you have to say to that? Okay, well, let's take a worst case scenario. Okay, yeah, let's do. For, for Johnny, not uh, we could we could create all kinds of worst case scenarios. Okay, you're right. Because, but, but you're talking about Johnny who's already made a responsible purchase on the front yes, end. Yes, yes. Because what he didn't do is he didn't go finance hundred percent of the property, which by the way, no one will do anyway, or, or 90% of the property. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and given his total financial picture, maybe he would still choose to do that. But he, when you isolate this, it, 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 it was in pretty good shape because let's go back to 2008, right? Let's say he bought right. it in January, 2008, before all the, the junk hit the fan and, uh, the property value drops by 20% to 800,000. Mm, that would be problematic. And let's say for a time he has less net income instead of the hundred thousand a year, he's only getting fifty thousand a year. Okay. He was responsible enough to be fine. Right? There were people, I understand there were a lot of people who were irresponsible in the way they took on loan debt at that time, especially, and got way over leveraged. In what they own so that when the when the values dropped they were sunk bankruptcy right, a, lot, a lot of bankruptcies happened right yes they did a lot of them and but here's the thing as many as happened still a lot more people who bought their houses during that time frame kept them right i yeah. bought a house in 2008 it's the worst 2007 i guess is an awful time to buy a house mm -hmm. my house value plummeted after i bought it and guess what i lived in it for you know, seven, eight, nine, I can't remember how, how long, but I lived in it and we are now, by the way, I have like $500,000 of equity in that house now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as much as, uh, well, anyway, you get, most people understand that, right? If you, if you ride, if you, if you can ride through that wave, then you have a chance to get over the top and get to a better place. And that was certainly true in the 2008 timeframe, but it's really been true in any time frame. So right. it goes back to that front end, which is making the responsible purchase on the front end. Not just so again, like to say leverage is good or bad is kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like leverage in and of itself is nothing. The way you use leverage can be good or bad. 
and can have a massive impact on your bottom line. And that's what we would suggest. Utilizing it in the right way, in a good way, has a far greater impact than uh, what you would get if you chose to just eliminate leverage altogether. Mm -hmm. And there's yep. really no question that that's the case. Yeah. And I have one one other example, and this goes back to just the, the capital avalanche. We've we've kind of been talking a lot about this that's recently. Been one of our con our newest concept that we're super excited about. Obviously, it utilizes leverage, Rod. Yeah, and let me ask you this: Would Dave be a fan of the Dave capital would avalanche? not be a fan. <laughs> Dave would not be a fan of anything premium finance related. I'm certain of that. Cash value I'm life insurance. He's not really keen on. Well, we're going to get into that. that. Obviously okay. he's not keen on. So. Hey, Rod, so to close it up, the little teaser, um, hopefully this has been like a little bit fun and interesting for people to hear us rant about Dave, yeah. but this is just the very beginning of Dave's book. We haven't even gotten into his money myths. These are just the debt myths. Rod, there's some good money. There are some good money myths in there. And you better believe that he's got a strong opinion about cash value life insurance. And you might also expect that we have a pretty strong opinion about that. Surprise. What surprise. happens when they collide? Yes. Okay. All right, Rod. Well, that's been, that was fun. Um, we'll get back together here in the next, you know, I don't know when we'll do it in the next few weeks. Sometime we'll, we'll do some more Dave stuff. Um, give us some feedback if it's interesting. Like we love to hear back if, if it's fun and interesting or if it's a disaster, tell us that too. Uh, but thanks everybody so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week on the Money Insights Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.